Well, hello, everybody. I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And we want to welcome you back to Making Biblical Family Life Practical, where we are coming to you from outdoors in beautiful South Carolina here during the summer. We're on our annual lake retreat where we're supposed to be riding. Hmm. Well, yeah, we, we've been riding. Not enough. Not enough. Not no, enough. we never ride enough. But we, I know. Well, we, we need ride. to ride more. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we have, we're, we we're supposed to be riding. Okay. <laughs> But uh, at any rate, this is a really, this is an important time for us. You know, it's, it's a time to kind of restore things after the busy conference season. In this case, to sort of compensate for the lack of a conference season. Um, <laughs> so maybe next year will be a little better that way. But at any rate, <clears throat> we are um, talking about something. We, we asked a while back, we asked our group on Facebook, what are some topics that you'd like covered? And... I, I felt good that a lot of the suggestions were things that we have talked about. Yes. But there were some new ones, and a couple of them that I thought were, were apropos, and they sort of dealt with the same thing. Dealing with a child who is over-conscientious, they said, or perhaps um, a perfectionist in nature. Oh, and, like the child that um, called me from college. Yes. Nearly hysterical because he was going to make an A-. minus. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. It was not easy to raise because, you know, if he didn't do perfectly, he freaked out. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of things that go into that. And, you know, I think C.S. Lewis said that oftentimes our, um, our sins, our failings, our faults uh, seem to be virtues that have gone astray. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that. You know, a desire to excel, a desire to compete well. To, to do the best you to possibly do the best can. You, I, I think that's good. I think it's biblical. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that's a problem. Well, run the races set before you. Run right, so right. as to win. Exactly. Know? Yeah. There are many passages that talk about that. But, um, but we do, you know, I think very frequently there's the temptation to slide from striving for excellence into perfectionism yeah. and that has a bunch of things associated with it so I think it is something to talk about and I think we parents deal with it and sometimes we pass it on to our kids sometimes our kids come up with it themselves but it, it's a common failing I think I think it's really common in firstborns because mm -hmm. I think we as parents tend to be super um, own our firstborns we want right. everything, them to do everything right everything to be perfect and it's easy for them to pick up on that I think it's also something that, um, I think it's something that it's a, a easy failing for gifted kids, yeah. the, you know, for whom things come easily. Well, because if you've done things perfectly, 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 and then suddenly mm -hmm. you don't, something must be bad wrong. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that sometimes we get our, our identity is, is tied up into something which it shouldn't be, you know, like <clears throat> I'm the smartest kid in the room. Yeah. Uh, that was me. I'm the, I'm the straight-A kid. It rocked my world when mm -hmm. I went off to the North Carolina School of Science Mathematics because right. I had always been the smartest kid in my class and probably the school. Yeah, and but then, I get to the school that they cherry-picked the smartest kids from all the schools. Right. And I was about average, and it really, I didn't know who I was. You didn't know how to deal you with know? being just average. It really rocked me because that had been my claim to fame. You know, that had been yeah. what I was known for. And now suddenly I'm not. 
it was hard. Yeah, you sort of felt really like you hard. lost yourself. Didn't I, you? Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't know who I was. I well understand that. So, um, so let, let's talk about this a little bit. I, you know, biblically speaking, I think striving to do well is a good thing. You know, it says in First Corinthians chapter ten that that whether we eat or drink, all that we do, do everything to the glory of God. Well, Colossians 3 is similar to that. I think mm -hmm. it's verse 17. Whatever yeah. you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, right. giving thanks to God the Father. Okay, so so excellence is a good thing. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think we do need to make a distinction to be careful about one thing where it says there are passages that talk about being perfect. Yeah. You remember that? That when Jesus says, to, therefore be ye perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Yeah. Or I think it's in James, in James chapter 1, it says, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And I think that's, I think that's the difference. I think that's the difference because when we talk about perfection, we tend to think of absolute sinlessness without any sort of shortcoming whatsoever, where yeah. I think biblically it speaks more about a completion or a maturity. Well, and our righteousness isn't in, in ourselves anyway. No, no, it's not. No, our right, because righteous, our righteousness before God the Father is perfect because it's not ours, it's Jesus's. That's correct. It yeah. comes from Christ. And, uh, you know, I, when Paul talks to the Galatians, what a wonderful book I've been reading in that recently in my devotions that, you know, when Paul talks about the Galatians, he said, he says, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Yeah. You know, it, is it, are you, you know, okay, by grace, we're saved through faith. That's right. Okay. We all get that right. But um, now we think, okay, now we're going to work super hard because we might be saved by faith, but our, but our faith isn't enough to, to keep us saved. And so we're going to save our, continue saving ourselves by our good hard work. Well, you know, it you sounds know? silly when we talk about it, but I think mm -hmm. it's a trap we all tend to fall <clears throat> into, Hal. Yeah. That, you know, we forget that our righteousness is in Jesus, and we do want to please God, and that's a good thing. Yes. You know, our desire to please God is a good thing. But I think that it's so easy to slip into that, oh, I've got to do this or God won't love me, which isn't true because he doesn't love us because of us anyway. He loves us because of Jesus. Right, and we you know? think that our good work is going to achieve some sort of approval from God. Right, that you know? maybe he'll do what we want him to if we do, right. if we do, it, <laughs> if we do right. Well, you know, that, that brings up something that's been on my heart a lot about this topic, Hal. What? Is that I have seen this in, now we have some kids that just tend toward perfectionism, like the one who called me from college, right? Right. He still struggles with it. And yeah. Yeah. Now he's a professor, right? Mm -hmm. But the... All of our kids have struggled with it during the preteen years. Okay. And I think because for two reasons. Why? I think first of all that during those preteen years, they're kind of they're in an emotional turmoil anyway, and at a time that their brains are remodeling, and so school is harder and they're not as successful in it, mm -hmm. and so they feel like, oh no, I'm slipping, I'm failing. I think that's one thing. But I think more importantly, I think it's when a lot of our kids make their faith their own. Mm -hmm. And I have seen with each of our kids before they really came to a real knowledge of the truth, before they were truly became Christians, mm -hmm. that they struggled with trying to meet that standard on their own. 
Well, I did. You know? I did. You know, I, before I was truly saved in college, I remember um, trying to figure out, navigate my way through Phariseeism, you know, trying to look at the commandments in the Old Testament and saying, okay, how can I fulfill this in modern terms? I mean, I can't sacrifice a goat, you know, right. but what? how do I do this? Because I was trying to establish my own righteousness. Yeah. And it wasn't until... God brought me to the end of that when I realized I can't, I can't meet all of that righteousness myself. And see, I think that's what we see when we see kids mm -hmm. absolutely freaking out after they've done wrong. Yeah. You know, when you, you've seen that when, yeah. when they'll say, I'm just terrible. I can't do anything right. Uh, I just, I'm so right. bad. I'm awful. I'm terrible. Uh -huh. And, and it, it can be very frustrating. We can try to talk them out of it. Right. But I think instead what we need to do is point them to, point them to the gospel. To that say, is, yes. you know what? You're right. None of us can. But there's an answer. God has provided a, a sacrifice for sin. And you know what? I came to the Lord. The Lord came to me um, when I was a freshman in college. And as I was sorting out all of this stuff going forward, I remember my senior year in college, I had a, uh, a real crisis over grace because I realized, I, I guess I started to really truly internalize the fact that I couldn't save myself and I couldn't keep myself saved. Yeah. That it was totally God's mercy and God's grace and the fulfillment of Christ's righteousness applied to me. And it was, it, it, it kind of struck me anew after I'd been a believer for two or three years and was growing in, in the faith and, and just realizing that Realizing that, wow, it really is all in his it's court. It's all him, yeah. And, and, you know, I I had perhaps been thinking, okay, now I've got new power to walk in righteousness. Well, <laughs> Yes, yeah, but it's still not your but, power. <laughs> but it's not a saving power. It's more of an obedient power. But, but uh, And mm -hmm. so I think that one of the things that we need to address biblically with our kids when mm -hmm. they exhibit this, you know, freaking out because they're not perfect is no we're not right you know and pointing them to the one that is perfect yeah and it may be a surprise to you but it's not a surprise to god yeah. god knows this you're just discovering it you know yeah and so you know i think that's a i think that's an important thing you know one of the things we have to deal with with a child that's got this perfectionist tendency is um on the one hand arrogance yeah. Pride, you know, if, if everything has been going right for them and they feel like, man, I've got my act together and I don't know what's wrong with my siblings. Well, I don't know what's wrong see, with my friends. It's back to that I'm earning my righteousness, yeah. self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. Self-righteousness, feeling righteous in ourselves makes us right. prou proud and arrogant. Right. Um, and on the other hand, um, I think that we have a tendency um, to, to feel an unnatural guilt for things. Yes. You know, to feel like, as you said, you know, that, uh, well, I failed it and I'm just, I am just awash in failure. I'm no good. And, There's and, no point in even trying. And therefore hopeless. And that's the problem. Yeah. yeah we're failures. Okay. We, we fail every day. We stumble and fall, but we have hope. And that's an important thing. And see, thing. when we're hopeless, that points to that we're not looking to God because mm -hmm. our, we're putting our hope in ourselves. You know, our friends, Kendra and Fletch, talk a lot about hope shifting. You right. know, when we right. shift our hope away from Jesus and to other things, and that's what really prompts legalism. And this, what we're dealing with in our young kids is legalism. Yes. You know, and when we shift our hope away from Jesus to something we're doing, 
mm-hmm. for our righteousness, for salvation, for whatever, mm-hmm. even just to be pleasing to God. You know, when we shift our hope away from Jesus Christ onto ourselves, we are hopeless when we try and fail because we yeah. can't. Right. Yeah, you know, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Yes. And when we are shifting our hope away from Jesus Christ, the Lord is going to make sure we fail. Because he wants to draw right. us back to him. Right. And, and you know what? That's something that, um, that's something from Galatians that really made a big impression on me as a, as a almost believer and as a new believer. You know, when, when Paul says that the law, you know, the, the law, the commandments, all of the Mosaic code and everything, the law is our tutor to lead us to Christ. Yes. That, you know, we should look at that, look at all those commandments and say, I can't. Okay. He did. Who did? Yes. yes. And and can we get into that? Yes, we can. Yeah, absolutely. And and so biblically, we're going to talk practically in a little bit how to deal with this, but biblically, mm-hmm. we need to address these kids that are struggling with perfectionism and overscrupulousness and basically legalism with pointing them to Jesus Christ and the hope that is in Jesus Christ because that that's where our hope lies. That's where all hope lies. Mm-hmm. And that's where our righteousness lies. And when we realize that, when we realize that, I was sitting out on the swing looking at the lake yesterday and, mm-hmm. and, and just thinking about it all anew, mm-hmm. that God loves me. Yeah. He just loves me. He looks down at me with love and acceptance because of what Jesus did. And that means I don't have to be perfect. You know, I don't want to grieve him with my sin, but I don't have to reach some standard before he starts loving me or before he starts looking at me with favor because he already does. I'm his beloved adopted child because of what Jesus did. And when when our kids grasp that, when we grasp that, it changes things. You know, one of the things which I think we, um, we fall into when we start playing in this ball field is we attach on to certain principles that are not not commandments per se, but they are principles and they may be different, maybe applications different, maybe people's consciences are different on it. You know, and I, we were talking about this uh, really in, in uh, church recently. We we're talking about people that were getting really fractious with each other over secondary issues. Now, right now, they're largely political, you know. Yeah, do you do wear you, a mask? Do you, you not, not wear, wear a mask? mask. You know, yeah. um, but but the, the larger point in something which had really struck me was that you see in Romans chapter fourteen, you see in in First Corinthians chapter ten, you see in a bunch of places in Paul's letters where the early church was grappling with things, and instead of instead of saying, "Okay, look, you misunderstand it," here's the point. Yes, we obey these Jewish holidays, or yes, we abstain from these foods, or, or whatever. But instead, you see, this is how you interact with one another when you have different convictions. Yes. And it's almost as if God left those ambiguities in there to teach us to give one another the grace. For us to show each to, other grace. To, to walk in grace with one another, to form our own convictions, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to recognize other people are at different points in their walk. Some of them are ahead of us. Some of them are not quite to where we are. And yet we can work together as believers who are all on the same journey, maybe at different points on the road. 
you know, because God could have just said, here it is, black and white, very simple, and, uh, and he didn't. He didn't. <clears throat> well, when we come back yes. in the second part, yes. let's talk about some practical ways to deal with this in kids because it's hard. It's challenging. And it's so commonplace. It is. All right, so we'll be back in just a moment. Yes, let's talk about Craftsman Crate, mm -hmm. our subscription box that teaches artisanal skills. Mm -hmm. It has complete kits. You don't have to go to the store. Mm -hmm. It teaches real adult-level skills, and it, they get real tools that they can keep using. Now, you know, we started doing this because our young guys told us, hey, there's nothing out there for boys to do. It's all unicorns and rainbows and stuff. And they came up with some really neat ideas. And that was the start of this it was, some years ago. But it has taken off. And now we have guys and girls. And we have elderly people and middle-aged people and teens and well, all, all kinds. Well, you know, Go. one of the things which I think needs to be mentioned here is that this is a great way to add arts and crafts into your home-based educational program, whether it's homeschooling or public school at home or hybridized or whatever it is, you know, this is one of those specialized areas that a lot of folks say, hey, I don't know art. Well, yeah. you know, these kits are self-instructional. Yes. and These are something you can learn along with your young people. And they can develop a hobby that may get them off their off of their devices and doing things with their hands. And we have quite a few subscribers who are actually associated with, with charter schools. Yeah who are using this program as a supplement for their educational program. All right, so go to craftsmancrate.com and mm -hmm. check that out. Okay. All right, folks, let's, let's, I'm, we're, we're talking about perfectionism. And you are? I am Hal. And I'm Melanie. And I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not perfect either, but I'm some of our kids that. think they ought to be. Well, Yes. And it's hard. How do you deal with the child who totally freaks out when he misses a problem? Well, some okay, there's some symptoms of this sort of perfectionist mindset. That idea of, I, I can do everything, and I ought to be able to do everything, and everything ought to end up rosy. And you know what? Something I've seen, I've seen it myself, I've seen it in our kids, this idea that if I don't know that I'm going to win, I'm not even going to try. Okay, let's deal with that in just a minute. First, just the most basic level. What's the okay? basic level? Oh no, I got the problem wrong. I'm no good at math. You know, what we need to teach our kids is mm -hmm. that doing work, doing homework, doing math problems or whatever, mm -hmm. is kind of like exercising. That yeah. the first time you walk into a gym, you're not gonna be able to lift up the, high, the heaviest weight. Have you ever had that conversation with one of your children who just thinks they know everything and you say no you're a student you're learning everything of course you don't know it yeah that's hard for our kids anyway <laughs> but it's a lesson that you get across but i think we can tell them you know it's like exercising you go into a gym mm -hmm. and if you walk over to the heaviest weights of course you can't pick them up that doesn't mean you're no good at lifting weights mm -hmm. that just means you need to keep exercising and trying but if you only lift the, the easy weights and you never increase your weights to something that's a struggle, right. you're never ever going to be able to lift the heavy weights. Yeah. And this is an illustration where it's well with boys mm -hmm. because it's intuitive to them. Well, you lift this one a lot and you keep trying until you lift the bigger one and say math is the same way. Mm -hmm. You know that, yeah, you miss the problem. That just means you need a little bit, a little bit more experience with that level of weight. Okay. Before you're able to lift it. A very good lesson. And so we can talk to them about make it a normal thing. 
And that means we can't freak out. Yeah. You know, perfectionist kids often have perfectionist parents. They don't tease <laughs> them about. My I, one of my dad teased me one time. I was I took Latin in high school and yeah. I was really doing well on it. I loved it. It was great. And I I uh, I told him I came back and said uh, and said, Hey, I got a ninety eight on my exam in, in Latin. And he smiled. And he said, What happened to the other two points? He was just teasing. He, know, was, he, didn't but, actually, he wasn't actually putting that expectation well, on me. But, but you did. <laughs> <laughs> but you could, yeah. You you can put an expectation on your kids and feed that tendency. So we want to yeah. be careful not to do that. Well, what about the, that kid who doesn't even want to try because he thinks he's no good at it? You know what? I no think, good meaning he can't do it perfectly. I think that's a kid that needs to be taken by the hand and, and flung into the middle of something he can't do, you know? Like... <laughs> Like you've got a you've got a kid who is an absolute bookworm. You need to get them something that's not going to be a book, something yeah. that's going to take performance, whether it's music lessons or dance lessons or a sport, or even bike riding or racing or playing racquetball or uh -huh. experiment with different things so they find something they like. You want to yeah. you know, I think that giving our kids a broad experience is a good way to prepare them for life, and it also is a way. For them to overcome some of the arrogance, yeah, of I'm good at everything, yeah, by making them try some things they're not good at, which is really hard because they don't want to. They really don't. Want well, to. if you think you're good at everything, it probably means you are intentionally not doing some things. Well, yeah. you, well, you know what I thought about we what? at our son's wedding. Yes. Okay. Now, you remember a wedding? Yes. And our son and his bride just dress, just dance so beautifully. Yeah. It was incredible. Yep. Everybody was ooing and eyeing. Yes. Do you remember when he was, I'm thinking 12 or 13. Right. And we were at our annual homeschool conference, uh -huh. and they had a dance, and I wanted him to go. And he had a flaming meltdown. It was the worst <laughs> thing ever. He pitched the biggest fit I have ever seen a child over three years old pitch. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. He was terrified. He was embarrassed. He didn't want to try it. He was sure it was going to be horrible, and he would have a terrible time, and he would, and he would embarrass himself in front of everyone. And well, I was determined for him mm -hmm. to go, because I know that it's way easier to go when you're younger, yeah. and people aren't paying attention <laughs> to you. Well, one of those things with the, those kind of kids is um, somehow they think that everybody's paying attention to them. Oh yeah. Which they're typically they aren't. Yeah. You know. And so that's, uh, that's another thing, too. Yeah. But he is one of those that really hesitated to try something unless he knew he was going to be good at it. And mm -hmm. he was sure he wasn't going to be good at this. And he pitched an absolute stinking fit. Mm. And as I remember, I did make him go. Yeah, and, and I think he enjoyed himself, too. And he had a too. good time. He didn't want to admit it later. <laughs> no, but he did. And I, but I was just thinking about that, watching his joy dancing with his bride. And yeah. thinking, you know, yeah, right. You're never going to need this in life, son, right? <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what right. he told me. I'm never going to need this. You know, another thing that I think we need to get across to our, our kids is the idea of uh, what is real quality. Um, when I was, one of my early career jobs was working as a quality engineer, and they said this, the, the, um, the definition of quality was conforming to the standard, conforming to the specification. And if, you know, if your specification was mark it with a piece of chalk and cut it with a hatchet, then anything more than that was just extra work, you know? And so there's times when there's a, there is a true level of good enough. 
Yeah. And more than good enough may actually be distracting you from other things you ought to be doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember um, I remember reading in one of um, Rex Stout's novels. Yeah. Nero Wolf, you yes. know, he's the detective in the right. Rex Stout novels, and he yes. was a gourmet. Right. And he was talking about how it takes 45 minutes to properly scramble an egg. And the person he was staying with kind of goggled, and he said, humbly enough for him, which was a surprise, he said, that is totally impractical for a housewife who has to manage a family. Yeah. You know, he recognized that he could do that as a gourmet who was unmarried and just took care of his own needs. 45 minutes to make the perfect egg is something he wanted to do, but he didn't He didn't expect other people to maintain that. And, you know, and I've had a few eggs like that. Like, do you remember the scrambled eggs that mm -hmm. we're staying with a sweet lady in Connecticut, a Brazilian right. lady? Right. And I think she scrambled her eggs like that because they were the best I have ever had. But... But I remember... I remember our neighbor when I was in the military, our neighbor across the street, he was actually the husband of an American service member. He was German. Yes. And when he trimmed the yard, he literally was hands and knees with a pair of clippers. A pair of scissors. I remember he had a pair of yes, scissors. Trimming, trimming the, edges the edge of next to his driveway. Now, you know what? You did have to edge the driveway. <laughs> you did not have to use a pair of scissors. No. And no. so and that was, yeah. And, and it is hard, I think, sometimes for these kids to accept uh -huh. that sometimes you need to do something to a standard of good enough. Yeah, because you know? yeah, because the quality is not the measurement so much as did you get it done efficiently? Did you get it done on time? Did you get it done in, in order to do other things? Yes. And that's, that's something to talk through with your kids and point out to them. Like I did, the first B I ever got, oh, oh, what a terrible day in my life, was handwriting in the third grade because I was so exact making those little loops in my cursive that I couldn't do it fast enough for the third grade work. That doesn't surprise me at all, Hal. That doesn't <laughs> surprise you, but it really, it, oh gosh, that just like crushed me. Can y'all hear our dog barking? Maybe so. I don't know. I just want to say that no one is abusing her. No. She is upset because we're out here on the deck and our kids back there behind us mm -hmm. are in the lake swimming. And she doesn't think that any of us should be outside without her. <laughs> yeah, well, be that as it may. Um, you know, I think we need to be careful. We need to encourage our children to excel in the things that they can excel in. Yes. But we need to encourage them and praise them, too, in the, um, in the intangible things. It's really easy yes. to say, oh, you got good grades. Look at the numbers. It's another thing to say, and you're so kind. Look at the numbers. Right. You and mean, where's that? And that arrogant child who speaks kindly to his brother who's struggling in that subject and says, mm -hmm. you know what, you're going to get better. Don't worry. It's all right. That child needs praise for that a whole lot more than he needs praise for his great math grade. Yeah. You he's, know? Yeah, he's going to get the praise for that. And so I think we need to be sure to, that we're praising character, that we're looking for any step in the right direction to get praised, you know? And, and to recognize that an A student who's slack and gets C's is not praiseworthy, but a C student who gets C's should be praised because yes. he's doing what he's capable of Absolutely. doing. And I mean, you should look for the all of the things that are praiseworthy, uh, including the intangibles, and yes. recognize that they're going to be different. There's a different mix of them in every person, not just our children. You know, I think that's an important thing. You know, I think with these perfectionist kids, mm -hmm. with the over scrupulous kids. Ultimately, 
the um, the solution though is is spiritual. That to remind them that we love them and we're not looking for a checklist to for our love. That God loves mm-hmm. them and and that Jesus took care of the checklist for them. Because so much of so much perfectionism is driven by pride. Yes. But a lot of it is driven by fear. By fear, by low self-esteem sometimes. Yeah. By feeling like this is the only thing I can excel at. Don't take this away from me. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And our identity is not in our report card. It's not in our paycheck or our business card. It's not in our achievements. Our identity is in Christ. Yes. We are created by God who offers us forgiveness and salvation through the finished work of his son, Jesus Christ. And if we come to him in faith and put our trust in him and not in our goodness, not in our hard work, not in our great grades and achievements, but rather humbly submitting it all to the righteousness of Christ and to the love of God who gives us that grace, that's where we need to have our identity. Well, you know, I remember years ago when I was working in inner city mission in Philadelphia. <clears throat> And we were required to spend, I think it was an hour a day in our devotions. Mm -hmm. And I was struggling because I was not getting enough sleep and I was struggling to stay awake. And it was becoming a real battle, you know. And Mm -hmm. I remember going to to someone and talking to them. And they said, you know, the Lord says he gives to his beloved even in their sleep. Mm -hmm. That... Maybe what you need to be doing is asking the Lord for more rest and sleeping more mm. and not feeling like a failure because you can't stay awake. Mm. And I think that when, for, the, for those many of us who are the type A plus personalities, yeah. and I know I'm talking to myself, that we need to remember that it is vain to stay up late it's vain to get up early, you yeah. know, that and to we, eat the bread of painful labors. labors yes. He gives to his beloved in the, their sleep, and that mm-hmm. because the Lord already loves us because of what Jesus did, He doesn't have this impossible standard for us. He doesn't expect us to work ourselves to death, right? You know, to to be perfect in everything. Jesus has satisfied Him, and mm-hmm. that. He made us flesh, and we're weak, and we have off days, and we need sleep, and we need rest, and we need to accept that. Because God knows it. He does. We're not, we're not fooling Him. He does. It's no surprise to Him. So, yes, I totally agree. Well, so watch out for the signs of this. Of this. Yeah, it's a sin. It's a sin to be a perfectionist, to be arrogant, or to be fearful, either one. But recognize and make sure that our kids understand by grace they are saved through faith and that not of themselves. It's a gift of God and not a result of works. Lest anyone should boast. Lest anyone should boast. Okay. And when we really accept that, then life becomes a whole lot more fun and a whole lot more satisfying because we don't have to be legalistic. So... So we would like to invite you yes. to join us on social media. We are at Raising Real Men everywhere. Yes. And we would love to see you on Facebook, on Pinterest, and on Instagram, mm-hmm. on YouTube. Right. Be sure to follow us and subscribe. And we also like to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash Raising Real Men community.
Mm -hmm. um, come check out all the things we have to help you with the school year this year out on our site and also to help you in making biblical family life practical. Okay, so thanks for joining us. Until next time, I'm Hale. And I'm Melanie. <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.